0: Bibles, please stand with me. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. If you have it, would you say amen? The scripture says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. I want to preach for a few moments this morning on the miracle of the manger. The miracle of the manger. I told you I love Christmas. You're just going to have to make up your mind. You're going to hear Christmas sermons in December. It's the only time I get to preach them. Amen. Would you pray with me, Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. I'm asking, Lord, that you allow the miracle of the manger, Lord, to be loosed in this place this morning, Lord. Touch our hearts. Touch our lives. Change us, Lord. Help us to leave this place blessed, anointed, and empowered of the Holy Ghost. In the precious name of Jesus, would you say amen? Amen. You may be seated. History records for us an interesting footnote. It it was during the dark winter of the year 1864 at Petersburg, Virginia. The Confederate Army of Robert E. Lee stood across from the Union divisions of General Ulysses S. Grant. The war was now three and a half years old, and the glorious charge to victory had long since given way to the muck and the mud of trench warfare. Late one evening, one of Lee's generals, Major General George Pickett, received word that his wife had given birth to a beautiful baby boy. Up and down the southern lines, those soldiers began to build huge bonfires in celebration of the event. And as the the Union soldiers on the other side Begin to see those fires light up. It it, it didn't go unnoticed. As a matter of fact, it made the general a little nervous. So Grant sent out a reconnaissance patrol. Go see what the rebels are up to. And so the scouts went out into the darkness of the night, and I don't know how they discerned the truth, but they returned shortly with the message that General Pickett had a son, and these were celebratory fires. It just so happened that Grant and Pickett had been at West Point together. They'd been friends there. They knew one another well. And so Grant, in order to honor the occasion, along with Pickett, ordered that the Union lines should light bonfires as well. So on that cold night in the Virginia countryside, for miles on both sides of those battle lines, fires burned. It was a peculiar night. No shots were fired. No patrols went out. There was no pushing in the lines or or coming and probing for the weaknesses. There was no yelling back and forth. For one night, no war was fought. There was only light, the celebration of the birth of a child. But it didn't last forever. Soon the fires burned down, and once again the darkness took over, the darkness of the night the darkness of the war, the darkness of this world. There are certain prevailing themes in Scripture, and they're woven throughout the whole of the Bible. They re- they're represented in this physical world, and they, they serve as a testimony to greater spiritual realities. One of those themes is the constant ageless struggle between light and darkness. Right from the beginning, the second verse of the Bible introduces this theme to us. It says in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Amen. So in the very beginning, under the unction and anointing of God... God allowed Moses to catch a glimpse of the the state of the universe before creation began and his impression of the condition of things in the universe just before God began to move, uh, just before God began to create. uh, His impression was that there was no substance, there was no form, it was void, it was empty. And it was dark. Darkness was upon the face of the deep, he said. Darkness. Just that word stirs a sense of primeval fear within us. All We, we tell ourselves we're not scared of the darkness. But each of us can remember a time and a place when the darkness frightened us. Yeah, I, I, I know some of us deer hunters sometimes... Out in the middle of the the wild blue yonder, in the in the cold hours before the sunlight comes up, and sometimes you hear things that you're not sure what they are. Amen. And even a grown man with a with a big bore rifle in his hands can get a little concerned and start thinking, "Now, I don't know what that thing comes up on me. I'm shooting." Amen. There's something about darkness that just worries us. Someone said, "I'm not scared of the dark." It's what's in the dark that I'm afraid of. Amen. It's something about it doesn't take long sitting in the darkness until your imagination begins to run away with you. Things that aren't really there begin to populate the darkness of our lives. Things that go bump in the night grow into huge, ugly, hairy creatures with superhuman abilities and big yellow eyes. And and we create the whole fantasy in our mind out of just a knock in the darkness. Christian author and radio personality Chuck Swindoll tells a story about his brother who worked at the old Houston Public Library when they were just young men. And among the crew that worked at the library, it was always a toss-up who would turn off the lights in the upstairs area because you had to walk all the way to the back of the area to turn off the final light. And whenever you did, you would come out of that place in darkness, total and complete darkness. The third and the fourth floors of that library were mostly filled with reference materials. They were decorated with life-sized busts of historical characters like Andrew Jackson and Abraham Lincoln. Those floors were rarely used, and they were quite spooky even when the lights were on. So the crew hated to go up there and turn off the lights at night. He told the story of how one night one of the young guys in the crew drew the short straw and headed up to turn out the lights, and Swindoll's brother slipped up the back stairway and hid behind a bookshelf near the light switch on the fourth floor of the library. That little guy was walking along, turning off lights and humming. To, you know how you do. When you we get in the darkness, you get a scared. You start singing, Jesus loves me this you know, I don't know what it is about it, but it's supposed to push the darkness away, amen? And we, we, I, he was walking along, and he's singing, and he's humming, and he's, he's trying to have the courage and the bravado to get the job done, uh, and, and he's bumping into things in the growing darkness, uh, and finally he gets to the last switch on the fourth floor, and as he turns off the light, a total darkness descends that's when swindoll's brother spoke softly from behind the bookcase what are you doing up here they say it's the last time they ever saw that young man he ran down the back stairs out the back door and off into the night and didn't even come back to pick up his paycheck hey amen darkness gets the best of us sometimes have you ever stopped to really think about darkness what is darkness Moses got it right when he used words like without form and void. Darkness is not the presence or existence of something. Rather, darkness is the absence of something. Darkness is the absence of light. Physical darkness happens where there is no light that's why what what moses saw he saw in that that early dawn of creation he saw the absence of light Uh, amen but just as this reality dawns on moses just as he recognizes that there is a state of existence where there is no light where where the, the darkness is upon the face of the deep everything changes And he finished Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2 by saying, uh, The Spirit of God... Moved upon the face of the waters. Uh, And God said, let there be light. Uh, And there was light. Uh, And all of a sudden, uh, light flooded uh, where darkness had once reigned. Uh, All of a sudden, uh, the brilliance of light come into that primeval darkness. Uh, And in a moment uh, where once it was without form uh, and once it was void uh, and once it was empty uh, and once it was dark, now there is light the entire situation changed the Bible said God saw the light that it was good and then God divided the light from the darkness it's one of the foundational truths of the word of God light and darkness were separated by God and, and we, we learn from a very early age, light is good and dark is bad. We understand from our earliest childhood that the light is a, is a good thing, but the darkness is something to avoid. But it goes deeper than that. Light and dark are divided. They stand at opposite ends of the spectrum. They can't occupy the same place at the same time. They're locked in a constant battle, light and darkness. Matter of fact, this is a daytime service, but if, if the lights were to go off in tonight's service, in the middle of the preaching of the word of God or the testimony service, and, and we had a power outage in the city and the lights went off uh, in the blink of an eye, at, at a speed that's beyond the scope of our understanding, darkness would invade this room. That's just the simple condition of physical reality but it stands for all of a time as a as a testimony of a much greater spiritual truth you see in genesis the light is good it reflects god's approval and his goodwill towards his creation and darkness and chaos by contrast are not good but they're never far away genesis describes a journey from chaos to order From darkness to light, where once darkness reigned, God begins to create something beautiful, something lasting. Amen. John's gospel then is unique in many ways. But one significant characteristic of John's gospel is that he recorded the spiritual significance of that physical event that was recorded by Moses. John's gospel and the Genesis account, both start the same way, in the beginning. But as John rewrites the Genesis story, he leaves behind the transition of this physical world from chaos to order. Instead, he picks up the idea from Genesis that light uh, is what put chaos to flight uh, and he relates that light uh, to Jesus Christ. Uh, John introduced a different idea of darkness. Not a physical darkness, uh, but a spiritual darkness. Uh, and just as darkness prevails where light is absent, uh, John sets out to cause his readers to understand that spiritual. Spiritual darkness happens uh, when we're away from the light of God uh, and his presence. Uh, And when John looks out across his world as he takes his pen in hand to write his gospel, he sees a world that spiritually is not much different uh, than what Moses saw physically in the beginning. It's without substance. Uh, It's empty and it's dark uh, and it's void. Uh, He sees men and women who don't know God. He sees a world that is far from God. He sees a generation that rejected God, even though he walked among them. He sees a people that even though the light shined in their midst, they saw the light and comprehended it not. John speaks to a world that is in darkness, and he proclaims a wonderful truth, the same truth that Moses proclaimed. God caused light to shine into darkness and the light was good. We find the root of John's strongly held view of light and darkness in the words of Jesus Christ himself. Jesus said of himself in John chapter 3, verse 19, he said, and this is the condemnation, that the light is coming to the world. And men loved God darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil this is the sorry condition of carnal flesh the sinful nature loves darkness mankind by nature prefers the darkness the flesh prefers sin to evil it prefers are sin and evil to righteousness and good. It it prefers that that there's something about darkness and the anonymity that it brings, that brings out the worst in humanity. Amen? You don't worry about walking down the streets in the daylight. But you put me in a big city, and after dark, I'm kind of going to stay in my hotel room. Amen? Because under cover of darkness, men broker their illicit deals. They partake in their criminal activities. They, they hide their ill-gotten gains all in the shadow of darkness. That's the world that John saw, a world that embraced the darkness to shroud its own sin, a world that saw the light but rejected the light because of what the light revealed in its life. So John tells us uh, that the light shined into the darkness, but the darkness sought to extinguish the light. The darkness sought to swallow up the light, to overpower it, to destroy it. Darkness can't tolerate light. Uh, The actions of crooked men can't stand uh, the scrutiny of examination. They would rather remain hidden in the dark. This is what was so divisive about Jesus. He shined the light of truth. And when those perverse, twisted men who called themselves religious leaders were exposed, exposed to the truth that he shone on their lives they couldn't tolerate it because when light shines darkness runs to hide and in John's account the darkness sought to extinguish the light but I've come to this service on a Sunday morning to declare to you the miracle of the manger. On that blessed night in Bethlehem when there was no room in the inn uh, and the Spirit of God moved uh, upon the void of this world uh, and said, let there be light. Uh, And the light of the world uh, stepped into a reality where spiritual darkness and chaos had reigned. Uh, Isaiah declared it. uh, The angel confirmed. uh, His name was Emmanuel, meaning God uh, with us. Uh, And when Mary gave birth to Jesus, uh, light shined uh, into the darkness. uh, Just like the Genesis account, Uh, a line had been crossed uh, and the world would never be the same again. Spiritual light had exploded on the scene and all of a sudden light and darkness were separated. A fraud that had been perpetuated since the Garden of Eden was finally exposed. And in the person of Jesus Christ, it was demonstrated that the power of darkness can be broken. Humanity doesn't have to live enslaved to sin. So let me share with you a simple fact about light. This is elementary. It's very basic. Darkness is defined as the absence of light it's void, it's empty. But by contrast, light, in its very simplest of definitions, is the presence of energy. Now the two, in our mind, appear to be opposites, opposite ends of the same spectrum. But they're not really opposites. They, they're, they're not really equal. Because where there is darkness... It can always be overcome by light. But where there is light, the light can never be extinguished by the darkness. Think about it. Light has power, darkness does not. Light has the ability to shine into the darkness and transform it. But it is physically impossible. For the darkness to overpower the light. Amen? Even in the darkest of dark. You ever been down in a cave? I mean, been on one of them terrifying trips down in the belly of a cave. Uh, we, went, we were somewhere in Missouri. We were on our way up to see a relative of Angie's up around Steelville, Missouri. We were driving through the Mark Twain National Forest. Brother Donnie, we were just a young couple, and uh we were we were just having a time of it, and we saw on the side of the road a sign that said, "I don't remember what the name of the cavern was it was some kind of cave and uh free tours and we we had all the time in the world, so we pulled off and we went to the cave and and uh we went down into the belly of the beast, and it was dark it was really dark. I remembered then a story that Harold Hoffman told about his daddy. He said, My dad was the strongest man in the world. He could beat anybody. He said, I only saw my dad scared one time, and it was when we went down into a cave, and the guide turned off all the lights, and all of a sudden, darkness descended. And he said, when the lights came back on, my dad was a whimpering mess. He was totally overwhelmed by the darkness. Amen. But I want you to understand that even in the darkest place imaginable in this world, the darkness is not strong enough to extinguish even one single light. As strong or as thick or as dark as you can imagine it being, just the light of a single candle pierces the darkness. The, the miracle of the manger is that on that night in Bethlehem, In the decadence of a world that was shrouded in darkness, a light shined that will never be extinguished. Uh, The miracle of the manger is that hope entered the world. uh, On that night when angels sung uh, and shepherds rejoiced uh, and wise men came from afar uh, and that hope will never be crushed. That baby that was born... And a stable in Bethlehem and laid in a manger would grow to be a man. God was manifest in the flesh. And he would shine the light of truth into the world around him. But darkness would rebel against it and shrouded within dark chambers hidden in the darkness. The they evil men would go spurred by hell's minions, would conceive a plan to extinguish the light of the ages. But at a hill called Golgotha, on an old rugged cross, that plan would backfire. As sinful men who preferred the darkness over the light sought to extinguish the light, they only fulfilled the plan of God and ensured that the light that shined in darkness then uh, will always shine in darkness uh, for all of time. uh, That it would spread from Jerusalem uh, to the four corners of the globe. uh, That it would spread throughout all the ages of humanity until finally there will come a day when darkness will be banished to a bottomless pit, to a place called hell, and the redeemed will dwell forevermore in a city where the Lamb is the light. You know what the Bible says about that city? There's never going to be a night. There's not going to be any darkness there. Amen. There's not ever going to be the presence of darkness in that city. Amen. He's going to be the light uh, that lights that city. I come to you this morning to declare to you the miracle of the manger. There may be darkness and chaos in this world. Uh, Amen. There may be problems and circumstances beyond your control in your life. Uh, Our economy may be uncertain uh, our country may be unsure Things that have been steadfast and unmovable for years uh, may suddenly seem unstable. But I've come to tell you on a Sunday morning, there is hope. Uh, There is a light uh, that breaks through despair. Uh, There is a light uh, that breaks through sorrow. There is a light uh, that pierces depression. There is a light uh, that shatters the chains of bondage. There is a light uh, that overpowers addiction. There is a light. That cuts through the darkness. There's a light that brings freedom and liberty. And all the darkness and hell can rise up against it. It can spew forth its putrid bile and filth. But all the darkness and hell can't extinguish this light. Every demon in hell can come against you, my friend. But it can't put out the light that shines inside of you today. In this house, there's a light shining. In this house, uh, there's hope for your life. Uh, There's hope for your dreams. There's hope for your family. There's hope for the city. There's hope for your marriage. There's hope for your finances. Uh, There's hope for your job situation. There's hope for everything that's going on around you. Amen. Today, there is light. Uh, And because there's light, uh, there's hope uh, of new life uh, and new beginnings. Uh, Things don't have to stop. Stay the same as they've always been. That's the miracle of the manger. Hope was born at Bethlehem. If I can share anything with you this morning, I want to share with you a hope that was heralded into this world by a child that was born of a virgin. We have that hope. It's a hope that this world desperately needs. We have that hope, but it's a hope that every alcoholic needs. We we have that hope, and it's a hope that every drug addict needs. We we have that hope, and it's a hope that presidents and CEOs need. Uh, we have that hope, uh, and it's a hope that bankers uh, and lawyers need. Uh, we have that hope, uh, and it's the hope uh, that the entire world needs that child was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in the manger and he is the hope of all the ages Paul told the church at Coloss that Christ in us is the hope of glory Uh, there's a call going forth this morning the call is the same both to sinner and saint it's a call to come out Come out of the darkness of this world and stand in the marvelous light of this truth. Come out of the darkness that's pressed its way into your thinking into your imagination that's wreaking havoc in your home, your heart, and your life. And stand in the light of the glorious truth. Of who Jesus Christ is. And what he came to do. Amen. The darkness they whisper to you and say you, you can't make it. You can't do it. Uh, but the light of truth is standing up and shouting in this place this morning. Loud and long. Uh, you can make it. Uh, you can do it. You don't have to stay the way you are. Life doesn't have to continue the way it's always been. Uh, victory is in the light. And it is yours. You step out of darkness and into the light. The darkness will tell you you've gone too far. The darkness will tell you you've done too much. The darkness will tell you it's been too long. The darkness would tell you that it, it's if, if you go last week, it would have been all right. You might could have salvaged things a month ago, but now it's gone too far. That's what the darkness uh, will try to tell you. Amen. But the light beckons you. Leave the darkness behind uh, and embrace the hope uh, that is in Jesus Christ. Uh, embrace the hope uh, that is in his message. Uh, amen. He came to live and to love and to die, and he was resurrected. Uh, and we have that power of the his- Resurrection and life uh, living in us, and we're not subject to the darkness. Darkness says that you're holding on to a promise in vain that it will never come to pass. But the light of truth declares the everlasting fact that the promises of God are yea and amen. And if God said it, my friend, He's going to do it. God don't make mistakes. God didn't mess up when He called you, when He laid His anointing, His hand on your life, when He, when He, He called you into His church to be a part of His bride. He didn't make a mistake. He has a plan, and He has a. Purpose. And he has a will that extends beyond the moment that you're living in. And I come to you with a message from the throne of God. It's time to turn your back uh, on the darkness that's trying to invade your mind. Uh, it's time to turn your back uh, on the darkness that's trying to get a hold uh, of your heart. Uh, it's time to turn to the light. Uh, amen. Because there's truth there. There's blessing there. There's strength there. There's victory in the light. Darkness says you're all alone. There's no sense in trying anymore. Your I- darkness likes to isolate us. You know, you y- I know when I'm up in the deer woods in the dark, I'm, a, I'm alone. It feels like I'm alone, but just a couple hundred yards from me is my son. on a tree, and another, another hundred yards or so, or three hundred yards is my dad. To, well he's about a quarter of a mile away, but I'm not alone in the darkness. But the darkness kind of isolates us and makes us feel alone. But the scripture says in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from all sin. If you walk in the light as he is in the light. You'll never be alone. I'm going to tell you something. You need the body of Christ. You need the fellowship of believers. You need the fellowship of like-minded people who are fighting the same battles you're fighting, who face the same struggles that you face. You need the fellowship of of people who, like you, are walking in the light. You need the church. Amen? Amen? And if you walk in the light as he is in the light, you'll never stand alone. You'll never struggle alone. You'll never fight your battles alone. And if you isolate yourself and you separate yourself and you cut yourself off from that support system, what you're doing is stepping into the darkness because the scripture said when you're in the light, you're going to have fellowship with the body of Christ. Can I tell you a secret? As long as we allow the light to shine in our lives, We can't help but have an impact on our world. Darkness only prevails where light is intentionally extinguished. As long as you walk in truth, as long as you allow the light of truth to shine in your life, it will have an eternal impact on the darkness that is around you. When you go to your workplace, and walk into darkness. Uh, there's a light that shines uh, in your life when you step out of this church building and you go out into a world that's dark and cold and indifferent to the presence of God. There is a light that shines in your life uh, that has an eternal impact on this world. That's why hell wants to marginalize you. That's why hell wants to destroy you. That's why hell trying to cut you off. Uh, that's why hell is trying to bring you low. That's why hell is trying to catch captivate you with trouble and trial and heartache uh, because hell understands uh, if he can diminish your faith and your hope he can rob you of the light because he can't compete with the light he can't overcome it with darkness so he tries to distract you he tries to burden you he tries to overwhelm you and let those thoughts begin to creep into your mind, those isolating thoughts of I'm all alone in this. Nobody else knows what I'm facing. Nobody else understands if only they really knew they they would forgive me for the things I've done or I'm doing. And that's the thinking of darkness. I come to tell somebody in this place on a Sunday morning, let the light shine. Would you stand with me? The tragedy of that unique night when celebration fires were lit up and down the battle lines of Petersburg, Virginia. Is that the light and the peace that it brought were short-lived. It was just a temporary blessing. And over the course of the night, the fires burned out, the darkness prevailed again. And with the dawn of the sun, brother would rise against brother. Brother. And chaos would reign again. The miracle of the manger is that in the midst of a great darkness, there came a light. And the darkness was not able to overcome the light. It wasn't just a temporary flicker. It was an eternal flame. And we need to remember that. There are times in the events of this world and in the events of our own personal lives that we feel like that light will be snuffed out but the miracle the manger affirms to us that whatever happens the light will shine the miracle the manger is the wonder of creation it's the understanding that even in the midst of darkness god is in control so let me get personal how about you what about your life will you cower in the darkness Will you believe the lies that hell's whispering in your ear? Will you allow yourself to become captivated and distracted by the trouble, trial, and turmoil that's robbing you of your joy and your peace? Or will you step into the light, the glorious light of Jesus Christ, and allow that light to wash and cleanse and purify again? God has a plan. Has a purpose for your life. I don't. I don't know much about maybe your situation. And I don't know much about maybe where you are and what's going on in your life. But I come to this pulpit this morning with a message from the throne of heaven. He's got a purpose for you. He's got a plan for you. And darkness is going to do everything it can to disrupt that, to sidetrack that, to derail that. This morning the light's shining. They used to sing a song in Sunday school. Said, "This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine." I think it's time that we made up our minds on a Sunday morning to let the light so shine before men. Let the light of God shine in our lives. Let the light of God shine into our hearts. I, I guess I have a twofold altar call this morning. I want to call. There are some in this place that you need to come and you need to recommit yourself to letting the light of the truth of Jesus Christ shine through you. Listen, you're a witness. You're a mouthpiece. Amen. When you step into the world, darkness recognizes there's light in you. It'll try to marginalize you. It'll try to push you into the corners. But there's light in you that the darkness cannot extinguish. Then there are some others in this place this morning I feel very strongly in my spirit that are struggling Darkness is trying to impress itself on your mind, on your thought process, into your heart into your relationships, into every part of who you are and is trying to rob you of joy and peace and that, 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 that confidence that comes from walking with the Lord. And and I just believe there are some under the sound of my voice this morning that you need to make a conscious decision. I'm leaving my pew. And when I leave my pew, I'm leaving darkness behind. Uh, and I'm going to embrace the wonderful light uh, of the truth of Jesus Christ. Uh, he can heal my broken heart. uh, He can heal my destitute mind. uh, He can put together whatever is wrong in my life. uh, He can fix it all. I'm asking you in this place, whatever group you fall in, I'm asking you on a Sunday morning if you find your way to an altar and you turn your heart towards heaven, let's let the light shine in this place. Let's let the light shine in this house the light of the goodness of Jesus Christ, the light of the glory of His presence, that transforming light. Come on, somebody, you need to step into the light where you have fellowship uh, with the body of Christ. You need to step into the light uh, where you recognize you're not alone in your struggle. You need to step into the light where you you come to that place uh, that you understand uh, these are my brothers and my sisters uh, and they're standing with me. You need to step into the light. Would you call out to him on a Sunday morning?